Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Join me as we explore the fascinating period of colonial Mexico at the turn of the 17th century. The capture of Tenochtitlan in 1521 by Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés marked the beginning of a 300-year colonial period, during which Mexico was known as New Spain, ruled by a viceroy in the name of the Spanish monarch. Spanish conquerors did not bring all areas of the Aztec Empire under its control for it took decades of sporadic warfare to subdue the rest of Mesoamerica, particularly the Maya regions of southern New Spain. Cortes wanted to rebuild the Aztec island site of Tenochtitlan into his colonial capital. Most of the other conquistadors wanted the new city to be closer to the mountains, pastures, and groves they would need for supplies. Cortez's reason was cultural. Abandoning the destroyed Aztec site would leave a powerful memory of what had been and could perhaps allow for a rival city to emerge. The site was thus chosen so that all vestiges of the old indigenous empire could be erased. Since Mexico City was built on an island in the center of a large but shallow lake system, flooding became a serious issue during the colonial period. Spaniards had not maintained the Aztec drainage system, which included a major dike. Crown officials undertook a massive project to divert water via a drainage system, using indigenous labor. In the early 1600s, Mexico City was the seat of Spanish political power. Established as a colonial city of Spaniards on the remnants of the seat of Aztec power, it maintained a significant indigenous population. Colonial Mexico had key elements to attract Spanish immigrants, including dense and politically complex indigenous populations, especially in the central part, that could be compelled to work and huge mineral wealth, especially major silver deposits in the northern regions. New Spain was a major seat of Spanish power and the source of its wealth. This wealth made Spain the dominant power in Europe and the envy of England, France, and the Netherlands. Spain's silver mining and crown mints created high-quality coins known as the silver peso, or Spanish dollar, that became the currency of Spanish America and a widely used global currency. Outside the zone of settled Mesoamerican civilizations were nomadic northern peoples who fought fiercely against the Spaniards and their indigenous allies. The northern native populations had gained mobility via the horses that Spaniards had imported to the New World. The desert in the north was only interesting to the Spanish because of its rich silver deposits. The Spanish mining settlements and trunk lines to Mexico City needed to be made safe for supplies to move north and silver to move south to central Mexico. The most important source of wealth in early colonial Mexico was indigenous tribute and compelled labor, mobilized in the first years after the conquest of central Mexico through the encomienda. The encomienda was a Spanish labor system that rewarded conquerors with the labor of conquered non-Christian peoples. The laborers, in theory, were provided with benefits by the conquerors for whom they labored, the Catholic religion being a principal benefit in the view of the Spanish government. 
The encomienda was thus a grant of the labor of a particular indigenous settlement to an individual Spaniard and his heirs. Conquerors expected to receive these awards, and premier conqueror Hernán Cortés, in his letter to the Spanish king, justified his own allocation of these grants. Spaniards were the recipients of traditional indigenous products that had previously been rendered in tribute to their local lords and to the Aztec Empire. The first Spanish viceroy, Don Antonio de Mendoza, has his name given to the title of an Aztec manuscript, Codex Mendoza, that enumerates in glyphic form the types of tribute goods and amounts rendered from particular indigenous towns under Aztec rule. The earliest holders of encomiendas, the encomenderos, were the conquerors involved in the campaign leading to the fall of Tenochtitlan and later their heirs and people with influence. Forced labor could be directed toward developing land and industry in the area the Spanish encomenderos natives lived. Land was a secondary source of wealth during this immediate conquest period, where indigenous labor was absent or needed supplementing. As of 1521, the Spanish brought African slaves, often as skilled laborers or artisans, or as labor bosses of encomienda natives. Colonial Mexico was part of the Spanish Empire and administered by the Viceroyalty of New Spain. The Spanish crown claimed all of the Western Hemisphere west of the line established between Spain and Portugal by the 1494 Treaty of Tordesillas. Discussed in detail in episodes 27, 28, and 29. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This included all of North America. The Viceroyalty of New Spain had jurisdiction over Spain's northern empire in the Americas. Hernán Cortés had conquered the great empire of the Aztecs and established New Spain as the largest and most important Spanish colony. During the 16th century, Spain focused on conquering areas with dense populations that had produced pre-Columbian civilizations. These populations were a disciplined labor force and a population to convert to Christianity. Territories populated by nomadic peoples were harder to conquer, and although the Spanish explored much of North America, seeking the fabled El Dorado, as presented in episodes 128 and 129 of this series, They made no concerted effort to settle the northern desert regions in what is now the United States until the end of the 16th century. Colonial law with native origins, but with Spanish historical precedence, was introduced, creating a balance between local jurisdiction and the crowns, whereby upper administrative offices were closed to natives, 
even those of pure Spanish blood. Administration was based on a racial separation of the population among the republics of Spaniards, natives, and mestizos, autonomous and directly dependent on the king. The population of New Spain was divided into four main groups, or classes, known as the casta system. Casta is a term which means lineage in Spanish and has historically been used as a racial and social identifier. The group a person belonged to was determined by racial background and birthplace. The most powerful group was the Spaniards, people born in Spain, and sent across the Atlantic to rule the colony. Only Spaniards could hold high-level jobs in the colonial government. The second group, called Creoles, were people of Spanish background but born in Mexico. Many Creoles were prosperous landowners and merchants, but even the wealthiest Creoles had little say in government. The third group, the Mestizos, or mixed-race casta population, were people who had some Spanish ancestors and some native ancestors. The word Mestizo means mixed in Spanish. Mestizos had a much lower position and were looked down upon by both the Spaniards and the Creoles, who held the belief that people of pure European background were superior to everyone else. The poorest, most marginalized group in New Spain were the natives, descendants of pre-Columbian peoples. They had less power and endured harsher conditions than other groups. Natives were forced to work as laborers on the ranches and farms, called haciendas, of the Spanish and Creoles. In addition to the four main groups, there were also some black Africans or Afro-Mexicans in colonial Mexico. These Africans were imported as laborers and shared the low status of the natives. Their mixed-race descendants include individuals descended from both free and enslaved black Africans who arrived to Mexico during the colonial era. They, along with the other main non-Spaniard population groups, often disagreed, but all resented the small minority of Euro-Iberian-born Spaniards who monopolized political power. From an economic point of view, New Spain was administered principally for the benefit of the empire and its military and defensive efforts. Mexico provided more than half of the empire taxes and supported the administration of all North and Central America. Competition with the metropolis was discouraged. For example, cultivation of grapes and olives, introduced by Cortés himself, was banned out of fear that these crops would compete with Spain's. To protect the country from the attacks by English, French, and Dutch pirates who plundered and ravaged several cities, as well as seized the crown's revenue, only two ports were open to foreign trade, Veracruz on the Atlantic and Acapulco on the Pacific. Mexico produced important cultural achievements during the colonial period, such as literature, as well as cathedrals, civil monuments, forts, and impressive colonial cities such as Mexico City. The syncretism between indigenous and Spanish cultures gave rise to many of nowadays' Mexican staple and world-famous cultural traits. Education was encouraged by the crown from the very beginning, and Mexico boasts North America's first primary school and first college, the University of Mexico, and the first printing press. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.
The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.